Good morning. So I used to come visit here, you know, about every other year uh, for several years, and I'd often be uh, given the privilege to minister in this congregation. Um, and uh, it was such a it, it really was such a privilege for me to be able to minister uh, here when I would visit. And I just wanted to say this morning that it's still such a privilege to get to come and minister to you this morning, to get to come and bring you something of what I feel like God has put on my heart for us and the elders' hearts for us. And, and, tell, and this morning, I want to share some of my own story with you as a part of my preach and, and tell you a little bit of my testimony, because I think for some of us, we, we, we meet each other and we... Even, so we, even we can have long-standing relationships and not really know each other's story and not really know where we've come from. And, um, you know, you, you meet people and you, you, you see, uh, we base, a lot of us will see what people want us, they'll see, we'll see what they want us to see. And this morning I want to let you see a little bit more of where I come from and what God's done in my life. And so um, um, I just want to testify this morning about my adoption as a son in the family of God because I was adopted too. And um, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as, son, as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. You know, uh, he sought me when I was lost. And he saved me from a life without him. And I'm so grateful. And it's such, it's been such a powerful, um, powerful story in my life that God actually sought me out. That I came from a place that, uh, again, you know, you, you can't know where I've come from. So I'm going to tell you a little bit this morning. And, uh, you know, in Luke, in Luke 19, we hear the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. He was a tax collector. He probably wasn't very well liked um, because, his, because a part of his possession, profession gave him the opportunity to extort money from his compatriots, his, 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 uh, his countrymen. But he had heard Jesus was coming. And you can imagine that there was a buzz around that Jesus was coming. This, um, this man of God, this teacher, this rabbi, this, 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 this man who was shaking things up all over the place. And he heard he was coming and Zacchaeus was vertically challenged. You know, he wasn't short, he was vertically challenged. Right, Michael? He was, so he couldn't see. So he ran out ahead of where Jesus was going to be, and he found a tree, and he climbed into the tree. He said it was some sort of fig tree um, because he wanted to see Jesus. There was a desperation. There was a hunger. There was a longing for him. <clears throat> in spite of his power, in spite of his wealth, in spite of his privilege, there was something in him that knew, man, I want to see who this Jesus is. Maybe he just had that thing where like maybe Jesus can 
fix what's broken in me. Maybe, maybe Jesus can heal my wounds. Maybe Jesus can make me love because I'm hated. And so he climbed a tree and he waited and then Jesus does this amazing thing. And he finds him. You know, can you imagine there's a crowd pressing in, there's people all over the place. Jesus, everywhere he goes, he draws a crowd, people are interested. And Jesus sees this little man up in a tree. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to come and stay with you today. And so Jesus comes into his house, and, and, uh, and, he, and, and Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus. How many of y'all know that when you have a real encounter with Jesus, it changes everything? If you have come into the church, and your life hasn't been radically changed, then I would question whether you've actually had an encounter with Jesus. Because when, we, because when we really encounter Jesus, it changes everything. And so Zacchaeus has this experience with Jesus. And in verse 8 it says, uh, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is quoting out of Ezekiel, where in Ezekiel 37, God said, I'm going to go and I'm going to find the lost ones of Israel. And Jesus is saying, my thing, the reason I came was to seek and save that which was lost, and that is my story. That Jesus found me. That Jesus sought me out. I didn't go looking for Jesus. I have one. Of, I have a. I have kind of a. a um, I have a bit of a humorous salvation story. I was. Uh, I was about. Well, I was probably about maybe. I think I was maybe thirteen years old. And uh, I had a sister who got saved, and she took me to church uh, with her, her new husband and her, and her new stepson, who was a couple years younger than me. And we, stood in the, we sat in the front row of a church called Calvary Chapel of West Covina, and the pastor there, his name is Raul Reese. And if you live in California, he's, pretty, he's a pretty well-known pastor. It's a large church, and uh, he's a Hispanic guy, and he has kind of a, a uh, Hispanic accent, and he was preaching, and he's preaching the gospel. And there I sat in the front row of this church with my sister and her husband and her stepson. And her stepson sat next to me, and uh, there was an altar call. There was an opportunity to, to come and, and meet Jesus and accept Jesus. And I sat next to my, I guess he would have been my stepnephew, and the altar call came, and they said, if anyone wants to come, and except Jesus, and he, he elbowed me. And he said, go up there. And I don't know why. I, I still don't know why to this day. I can't explain it. But I got up and went. And I had an encounter with Jesus. 
Jesus sought and saved me while I was lost. So about my testimony. I wasn't wealthy like Zacchaeus, but I was lost like Zacchaeus. I mean, we're probably wealthy by, by most standards, but I didn't feel wealthy. My parents were divorced when I was about three years old. My mother, that was her second divorce. So she was married to one man, and she had four children with that man, and my two, my two uh, uh, sisters and two brothers. And uh, she divorced her first husband. He was an abusive alcoholic, and she married my father, and he was a deadbeat as well. And so she married my, my, my father, and I was the result of that uh, marriage. I don't think I was planned. I was one of those oops, and because um, my mom already had four kids, and she didn't want another one. And um, But here I was, and so my parents divorced when I was three years old, and I never saw my father again. So, um, you know, when you're a three-year-old, like you, you see Gilan standing with his, his arm around his daddy's leg. And when you're a three-year-old, you know, your, your, your parents are everything. Your world is, it revolves around your parents. And so can you imagine, you know, my, my, like I said, my, my biological father was kind of a deadbeat, and my, my, uh, my mother had to work to support these five kids, and she worked very hard, but I don't think he did. And so he was the one that was around when I was growing up, or until I was three, I should say. And then one day, he was just gone. In fact, I don't actually have a lot of memories of my childhood. I have a few memories, but one memory I, I do have was him putting his suitcases into the trunk of his car. Can you imagine the trauma that causes in a little child's life? So I grew up without a dad for, the most, for most of my life. My mom did remarry again later on. Um, but I still, it wasn't like having a real dad. And, um, so I, uh, I grew up without a dad. I, I grew up feeling abandoned. I'm going to tell you how I felt because I've had to explore these things. I've had to understand these things in my life. In my 40 years of walking with God, I've had to pay attention to some of these things so I could understand and know God as my father. So I, I, rem, I, I felt abandoned. I felt rejected. I felt worthless. I didn't feel like I was worth anything. I mean, when your father leaves and never comes back, what does that tell you as a kid? And I know that for some of us this morning, this might strike some chords for you. It might be, it might be difficult for you to hear this and could be because maybe you are the one that got a divorce and you have a strained relationship with your kids. And for some of you, and I think for many of us, we live, I mean, we are part of a fatherless generation. It is not unusual to not have two parents, to not have a father living in the house. In fact, it's more likely, it feels like more likely these days, and certainly in, in some of the cultures in this country, you're more likely to not have a dad than to have a dad. And for those of you who are sitting here today and your mom and dad are still married to each other, call them up after church and thank them. 
even if it wasn't perfect. Man, at least they toughed it out and stayed together and did their best. And, but I remember feeling those feelings of rejection and abandonment and loneliness and, and brokenness and worthlessness. It took me years and years and years to figure out how much I actually hated myself as a kid. And somehow, somehow Jesus found me when I was about 13 years old. And after I answered that altar call, God put me on a different path. That encounter with Jesus changed everything for me. And I ended up in a church in Walnut, California, which is near Los Angeles. And um, I was just a teenager. My parents didn't, my mom didn't go to church. My family didn't go to church. I, the sister I, I, uh, that took me to church, she went to a different church. And I just found this church when I was in high school and started going to this church. And, um, and because Jesus found me, I was saved and I had a radically different life. But I was still a very broken person. I was still insecure, I was still lonely, I was still fatherless, I still carried those wounds of rejection and abandonment. And so, and, and, and what we have to understand is that even though some of us have said, okay, yes, we've met Jesus, and yes, we are saved, and yes, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and yes, God has changed us to a degree, salvation it says in, in Philippians 2.12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is my presence, but much more my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we ask the question, we consider the question of, why do we have to go to church? Why do we have to be part of a church? Why can't I just... You know, you've heard it, I've heard it. Why can't I just, you know, like, you know, I, my church is on the beach. My church is in the waves. I spend my Sundays, you know, with Jesus while I'm out there surfing, and I don't need a church. And, and, and that comes from a lot of people who have experienced hurt in church or disappointment, or they've been less than, uh, they, they've just come into church experiences that were less than what they should have been, less than what they should be. And we ask that, you have that question that rumbles around in your mind, in your heart sometimes. But the Bible says, the Bible says we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That even though we've met Jesus, we are continually, continually, continually moving in closer. We're continually dealing with those wounds that, that are holding us back. The disappointments, the discouragements, the pain, the rejection, the abandonment, those things just don't magically fall off when you, when you accept Jesus. At least, at least that's my experience. You know, like, I think Declan's a, a wonderful, amazing, miraculous example of someone who met Jesus. And I think, Declan, you said it took about five years to work through your addiction and you're, until he was like, okay, now I'm actually free. 
And I think we could make the mistake of thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm a Christian, then all my problems are going to go away as soon as I say yes to Jesus. And the reality is, is we all need a lot of help to get there. And so God brought me into a family. Like I said, I was, in my, I was a teenager, came from a very broken home, a very broken background. I could bring out, I could, I could share more details with you. That would be painful to do. I could tell you more stories that are painful. But just suffice it to say, I was broken, and God saved me. But he didn't just save me and leave me on the side of the road. He brought me into a family. I, I ended up in a church, like I said, in Walnut, California, and I met, um, I met families in that church who actually brought me into their families. I, I, I'd never understood what healthy family looked like. I remember meeting uh, my, we moved into a new house when I was at about uh, around that age, and I met uh, this, this neighbor kid who was about my age. And uh, we were like at his, in his driveway and his dad walked out and I said, I said, is that your stepdad? He goes, no, it's my dad. Because I didn't, I didn't, uh, it wasn't in my, the way I saw things to actually think that there'd be a mom and dad that are married to each other. So God brought me into this church and he brought me into family. There's one family in particular that I want to tell you about and, um, and my friend Chaz, you'll meet him in a few months. He's going to come for a visit, and his son Chaz Jr. are going to be here. And they're they're um, they're actually our oldest and dearest friends. And uh, I, um, what they did was they brought me into family. They were actually I was thinking about them that they were actually weren't that much older than me Chaz is about 10 years older than me so I was 15 he was probably 25 but they had a couple of children and they and they um they welcomed me into their family I would eat dinner at their house I would babysit their kids we would you know like uh when I first learned how to drive a stick shift Chaz taught me how to drive a stick shift so in America you use your right hand um you sit on the other side and you use your right hand and Chaz taught me how to drive a stick shift and he became like a father to me. Stephanie became like a mother to me. Their kids became like family to me. And to this day, 40 years later-ish, they're still our, some, probably our dearest friends. 40 years later, we, when I fly to America, you know, I have several siblings. I have... Um, I have with my stepsisters, I have like six siblings that are, do I have six? I have uh, five that are still alive. I have one sister that passed away. And when I fly to America, I don't see any of my siblings. I don't see my, I don't see, you know, I, sometimes I won't see my wife's family, but I will see Chaz and Stephanie because they're my family. And, uh, and, and so what, what that did for me was I saw what it looked like to have a healthy family. I saw what a, what a healthy marriage looked like. I saw, what, I saw a mom and dad who were married to each other and loved each other. 
In fact, Chaz and Stephanie celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary yesterday. And I saw what it looked like what a, I, because I didn't have a frame of reference for what a healthy marriage looked like. All of a sudden I said, oh, that's what it looks like. I didn't have a frame of reference for what a dad looked like because I didn't have a dad. And I saw Chaz with his kids and I said, that's what it looks like. I saw what it was like to have family time and, and to love Jesus together and to, and to be devoted to the king and the kingdom as a family. I saw those kids grow up and to become uh, uh, men and women who love and serve Jesus. And God took me and he showed me what a healthy family looks like. Psalm 68 Verse 4 says, sing to God, sing in praise of his name, extol him who rides on the clouds, rejoice before him, his name is the Lord. It says he's a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. It says, and Mervis quoted this a few times this morning, it says, God sets the lonely in families. Is that the NIV up there? Can you get the NIV up there? Is that something you can do? Byron? Serena? It says, God puts the lonely in families. He leaves out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorned land. See, that was my experience. He took me when I was lonely and broken and, um, and feeling, dealing with feelings of abandonment and rejection and he took me and he put me in a family and he changed the course of my life but he didn't only change the course of my life he didn't only change the course of Lon Whalen's life he changed the course of Ann Margaret's life he changed the course of our children's lives he changed the course of your lives because if I hadn't experienced that, I, don't, I know I wouldn't be here today. If I hadn't been brought into family, I wouldn't be here today. Because how, how do I know that? Because I know where my siblings are today. I know that I had a sister who died, who died from drug addiction. And I have a brother who is probably a drug addict, at least if not an alcoholic. And he lives alone in a desert with no friends and no family. I know I have uh, several siblings and every single person in my family. So parents, and I had a total of, there were a total of seven seven of us. I have one brother who never got married. I think he was too broken from his experience as a child to ever commit to a marriage. But the other six of us have all been married. And the other five, besides myself, have all been divorced. Some of them more than once. And I'm standing here today, and we've been married for 30 years. But we stand on the shoulders of Chaz and Stephanie, who've been married for 45 years. See, I know that that God changed the course of my life because I can look at the rest of my family and I can see the ruins. Now, a couple of my 
siblings have accepted Jesus, they have gotten saved, they, uh, and, they're, and they, um, they have, but they haven't experienced family the way I have. Way I have. It says God puts the solitary in family. Why is church so important? Why is this thing that we're doing so important? Why is, what we're, why is community so important to us? Some of you are just used to it. It's just kind of normal for you to be, to be a part of the church, to be a part of the family of God, to be in community. It's just kind of a normal thing for you. Some of you have parents that are still married to each other. Some of you have had that experience. And you're sitting here thinking, man, what's he talking about? I don't get that. I, my, you know, I was thinking, as I was preparing, I was thinking about, you know, Duncan, uh, Con. Where are you, Duncan? You're somewhere. I saw you. I was thinking about Duncan. Like, I know, I know Duncan's parents. You guys, know, you guys all know Doug and Jenny. And I'm thinking, man, what was that like? I mean, because they're gold, man. They're like, they're like, I mean, you just want to like, if you spend any time with Doug and Jenny, you just want to hug them. They're so fantastic and amazing. And a lot of you have had that experience, but a lot of you have had experiences that are similar to mine. Why is the church so important? Why does God put us into a, a, a church and a, and a family? Because there's so many broken people that need family. There's so many broken people that need to encounter Jesus in a family. There's people that are here this morning. I looked around this morning when Mervis gave that call, hey, if you're lonely, put your hands on your heart. I looked around, guys. I mean, I'm sorry I cheat because I'm, I'm here because I, I want to I be able to love people and lead people and know where they're at. So I, I peek when, I, when there's a call, there's, a, there's an opportunity for people to respond to what God's doing. I look and I looked and there were many. There were many people with their hands on their heart. I saw you. I saw you. God sees you. And he's brought you into family because he wants to meet you. He wants to show you that people, that, 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 his, that, that we're meant to love each other. I almost think, man, we should all be peeking when there's response. Because we need to say, who needs me, who needs, who needs me right now? Who needs me to love him? Who needs me to hug him? Who needs me to embrace him? Who needs me to invite him for a meal? Who needs me to invite him into my family? Man, I see, I see those in our, I see myself in so many of us. Man, I see, I want to name names. I want to say I see myself in, I see myself in, because I do. Why is it important for God to, why is it important for us to be family? Why is it important for us to embrace that thing of saying, I, I don't want a single lonely person among us. I don't want a single person that feels like, man, I'm alone, I'm, I'm, I'm rejected, nobody cares about me. I don't want a single person to walk out of here and say, man, I'm, 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 I'm actually very much alone. You know, I was reading a statistic um, 
yesterday about, and I, I, and I want I want to be really, I want to be really gentle, and I don't want you to know that I love you and I feel your pain. But I was re- reading a statistic yesterday that of the South Africans who have medical aid, one in six are taking antidepressants. It means look down the row. I mean, because I would imagine a lot of the, a lot if not most in this room would have medical aid. One in six of us is taking antidepressants. And you want to say, oh, well, that's probably not in the church. That's out in the, that's out in the world. Those are people that don't have Jesus. They haven't experienced the love of God. Nope, sorry. It's not true. There are people sitting here this morning who are dealing with pain, deep wounds that need us to love them. And I'm not saying that, that that's going to, you know, okay, all of a sudden you're not going to need that. I, I, I don't know. I just know that we're called to love each other. I just know that we're called to know each other. I just know that we're called to, to bring, to invite one another into our lives, into our families. There should, you know, I, I realize I, I'm a real... I'm a bit of a realist. I understand that when we call, we have a call for someone who feels lonely, there's going to be people who felt lonely. But man, I dream of a time when we don't have that. I dream of a time when we get, we, we call for a response of who's battling with loneliness or depression or rejection or abandonment and we get crickets because no one responds because we're so full of the love of God and the love of one another. See, family is God's great plan, wasn't it? It's what he intended all along. From the, from the very beginning when he created man and woman, he said it's not good for man to be what? Alone. It's not good for man to dwell alone. So he, he put him into a sleep. He took a rib from his side and he created woman and he created family. He knew that each and every one of us needs Family. From the very beginning of time. He, it says that it said Jesus knows what, I, what we need. The Bible says that, that in uh, John 3, 16, that, um, that God gave his only begotten son. He gave the only son. But he, what did he give him for? He gave him for family. That word solitary is the same as the only begotten son. It's a similar word. God God wants us to love each other like family, to live like family. What What did that mean to me? What did it mean to me to be brought into family as a 13, 14, 15-year-old coming from a broken home, a broken family, a broken life. For me, it meant that I was, I, I received a new identity. 
See, before I found, or before Jesus found me and brought me into family, my name was insecure. My name was rejection. My name was abandoned. My name was abused. My name was broken. And God brought me into a family and gave me a new name. All of a sudden, I went from lonely and broken to brother. I went from abandoned to son. I became friend. I became Christian. God gave me a new name. In Isaiah 62, 6, he says, The nations shall see your righteousness and all your kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. That's the promise of family, is we get new names. God does it all through the scripture. We see it all through the scripture that when people have an encounter with him, they get a new name. And for us, that name is brother, sister, mother, father, son, daughter. We're brought into family. I got a new name when I came in. All of a sudden, now, I wasn't just some kid. I was a Christian. I was a part of a family. Another thing that happened for me was that I was no longer alone. God gave me a tribe. He gave me a family that I could belong to. Even though my family was broken and messed up and, and had all kinds of problems. And not that the church doesn't have problems, because we do. Not that we don't have problems in this family, because we do. But the difference between my family, my natural family, and my church family was Jesus. It was Jesus. That regardless of what we go through, we got Jesus. And so God gave me, I was not alone anymore. I was not lonely. I had people that loved me. I have people that love me often better than and more than my actual natural family. People who love me better than my family. Who came alongside me. Who cared about me. Who looked after me. Who loved me. I remember when I was... um, when my mom was still alive, I have a, like I said, I have a brother who has had substance and alcohol issues, and you know, he, we just we have issues with get, with our we didn't get along, and and uh, and I would try to like you know, be, you know, like I tried to reach out to him, and I'd get rejected, and he didn't want my help. He didn't want me to be a part. He just. We have a better relationship now, but man, he didn't, he batted me away. And I remember my mom would say, you know, why aren't, he's like, you know, you'd spend all the time in the church and you give all your time and energy and you're, 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 you know, you're ministering to people and you're sacrificing. Why can't you do that for your brother? And I remember saying, you know, actually, mom, I've tried to reach out to my brother, but my time is wasted 
And there's people in the church that want me, that love me, that want me to, to, to minister to them and pray for them and reach for them. When God brought me into family, he gave me a new tribe. That's why I'm here today in South Africa, because you're my tribe. When I came here to, to South Africa, I was coming to my tribe. And I brought my tribe. <laughs> and the other thing God did for me by bringing me into family was I was shaped. Remember I said earlier about how we have to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. When we come into family, when we come into the church, when we come into relationships, when we come into community, it is an opportunity for God to use other people to shape us. And this is one of the wonderful mysteries and wonderful benefits that come from being part of a family is you are going to be around people. You're going to have a community leader. You're going to have an elder. You're going to have a deacon. You're going to have someone that's going to come alongside you and shape you and mold you and help you become more like Jesus. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. So I was shaped into who I am today. I'm not who I am because of who I am. I am, I am who I am because of people like Chaz and Stephanie Leeper. Who when Chaz, when I was uh, uh, maybe 17 years old and I uh, was going to my senior, do you guys have what you call it a prom? Your matric dance. I was going to my matric dance. We don't call it that. We call it senior prom. So I was going to my senior prom, and, you know, like, Chaz had a nice car. He, he, was a, he was successful in business. He had a nice car, and I had asked this girl to go to prom with me, and we went with another couple, and because Chaz had a nice car, I said, hey, can I take your car? And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll, now I'm going to tell you this story because Chaz is going to be here in February, and if I don't tell you, he'll tell you because <laughs> it's one of my embarrassing stories. And... Um, and so we go, we, we, I borrow his car, we're with this, this other couple, and I was a pretty good kid, but every once in a while I'd make a bad decision, and that night we made a bad decision, we were underage, but we had a bottle of, I think it was a bottle of champagne or something, and, uh, and we, uh, so we went, so I don't know where we went, I can't remember, but we went and we had this bottle of champagne and we put the bottle in the trunk, and I forgot about the bottle in the trunk, and I returned the car to Chaz, and I think it was maybe the next day or a couple of days later, you know, he finds this bottle of, this empty bottle, this empty champagne bottle in his, uh, in his trunk, and man, did I get in trouble. Now, Chaz wasn't my dad, but man, I got in trouble because he was shaping me into the, the man that you see today. He was dealing with my sin because he loved me. And, I, and, and, uh, and like I said, if you give him a chance, he'll tell you that story when, it comes, when, it, when you meet him. But see, when God brought me into family, he brought me into a place where I could be shaped into who God want me, wanted me to be. You can't do that on your own. It's not going to happen on the beach by yourself on a Sunday morning. It's not going to happen Wednesday night sitting at home watching television rather than being a community. It's not, it's not in our nature to shape ourselves. God uses us. He uses the family of God to help us become who he wants us to become.
This morning, I want, us to, I, I, I want to encourage us. I want to encourage you. For those of you who have a healthy family, you have a good marriage, you have well-behaved children, you, you, you've, you've done the right things. You know, you, none of, like I said, none of us are perfect, but, you, you know, things are pretty good for you guys. This, may, this message may not be, it may not resonate with you because it's not what you need. But what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to look around. I want you to do what I do is look around and ask yourself, who's lonely? Who's broken? Who's insecure? Whose life isn't all together? Who needs me to bring him into my family? Who needs us to come and say, hey, actually, I know you're, you come from a broken home. Let us show you what a healthy family looks like. Hey, you know, you're, you're not, your, your marriage ended up in, may, may have not ended up where you wanted it to end up. Let's bring you into our family so we can show you what a healthy family looks like. And we can help bring restore, restoration to you and bring life to you and bring friendship to you and bring family to you. If you've got a healthy family, if, you, if, if, God, if your testimony is like mine, look what God's done in my life. Again, I'm standing here today because God found me and he brought me into family. If that's you, then I want you to look around and ask, who do you need to bring into your family? And then the other side of it is, those of you who are feeling lonely, you are feeling those things that I talked about. You, your, your, my story is your story. And you may be sitting here today and you may be thinking, hey, I'm here, but I don't want anyone to get too close to me because I don't want them to see who I really am. Or man, I don't want to get hurt again because I've been hurt in the past. And I want to say to you guys, I want to say to you, those of you who had your hands on your heart because you feel lonely, I want to say to you, God wants to bring you into family. He wants to bring healing your way. He wants to bring restoration your way. He wants to give you a story and a testimony of his love. And he wants to do it through family. And I went and... And I want, to, I want to believe that that's part of who, of what God wants to do through this congregation. You know, you, you live in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up in just a minute, but you, you live in a country that has gone through a radical change in the last 25 years. We live in a neighborhood not far from here, and we have never met, we, we haven't met any of our neighbors. I'll correct that. We did have one lady come over to complain about how many cars we have in front of our house. <laughs> but no one's come over and said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. No one said, hey, we baked you some cookies. No one said, hey, would you, we'd like to have you over for a braai. We live in a neighborhood where people drive into their garages or behind their gates. They drive in, shut the door. This has been our experience since we've lived here, um, outside of the church. People drive into their garage, they shut the door. They go inside, they never come out, they don't talk to you. 
You live, in a, you live in a country where you've had radical change in the last 25 years. Any of you that are older than maybe, you know, 35 years old, you can probably tell more, you can probably testify to this more than I can because I have very limited experience. But in the last 25 years, I think your walls have gotten higher. Your gates have gotten, you know, we, 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 we drive into our house. We have uh, alarm, electric fence, gates, beams, you live in a country where you're, the, the level of engagement has actually diminished significantly in the last 25 years. It's a recipe for loneliness. It's a recipe for isolation. I want people to walk in to this place and say there's something different there. The way, the, the way people love us, the way people receive us, the way they love each other. The Bible says that they'll know we're Christians by the way we love each other. So I want to encourage us, I want to challenge us to massage the value of family into our congregation in a intentional way. I think we do pretty good. I think a lot of you would say, man, that's exactly your experience with with." The church as a family is my experience with the church as a family. And it's been in this church. And I think we do a good job. I want to commend you. Because I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be in a church where they don't live in family. So I want to commend you. But I also want to say, let's do it even better. Let's make sure that we, there, are, there aren't walls between us. Let's make sure that we know each other and we love each other. Let's make sure that our homes are open to one another. You know, when you became a member of Josh Jen, if you're a member of Josh Jen, you stood on the platform at the lighthouse in Paro and you, uh, you, you said, uh, or wherever you were, and you, said, and you spoke these words, what's in my fridge is yours and what's in your fridge is mine. My challenge to you this morning is, that those wouldn't just be words. But we would actually live, we would actually go further in living as a family. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to end and uh, I'm going to pray for us. What do you do with this message? You might, say, you might be saying this, this morning, what do I do with that? I don't know what to do with that. You can start by inviting someone to dinner. You can start by inviting someone to lunch. You can start by asking God, who needs me? Who needs me? Who needs me to reach out for them? Just start somewhere.